There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Really great to have you with us on the show. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Wasn't the weather just gorgeous? And it's beautiful again today. It's going to change. The rain is on the way. A lot of rain potentially tomorrow afternoon. Just looking at the forecast there. You know me and the old weather. I'm always keeping an eye on it. I really am. But uh, we'll enjoy this day as it concludes. Thank God for the late springtime. God, I was out in the late autumn, should I say. I was out in the garden over the weekend. Needed two weeks of abandonment. A lot to be done. And it was just great to get out and about and enjoy the lovely weather late on in the year. Welcome to the show. Don't forget our usual number. You'll need it today and during the week. And always 086-1800-658 is the WhatsApp or text number if you want to get in touch with us on the show. We have lots of chat coming over the next couple of hours as usual. Great music, a brand new top five countdown and I have a giveaway. I have a couple of tickets, one for you and one for somebody else. No, it's one prize each so it's not two tickets for one it'll be one ticket for one person and another ticket for another listener today and you could win listen to this a new range rover or a hundred thousand euro in cash that's coming up those tickets are from garristown uh, the gaelic football club out there they're going great guns and they have a big draw coming up i'll tell you about that in a little while imagine winning the ticket with me i often say this and then winning one at it's more than that big prize as well. Winning one of the major prizes. Wouldn't it be just a great story? I hope you win. Anyway, I'm giving them away shortly on the show. But beginning today on a very serious note, I have to say, folks, I just can't watch the news. I just cannot watch the news at the moment. I actually now nearly avoid it, even though it's part of what I do here and I need to know. And I love the news and current affairs. But what's going on in the Middle East is simply, simply shocking. It really, really is. And last week I spoke on the show to Alan Shatter, who uh, you would more or less say gave the Israeli point of view. To balance it out on late lunch today, uh, I'm glad to say I'm joined by somebody from the Palestinian side. His name is Dr. Ahmed Mahmoud. You may know him. He was a surgeon in Our Lady's Hospital in Navin for a time. He now works in Dublin's Beaumont Hospital, but he still lives in Navin. And just before coming on air today, I spoke to Dr. Mahmoud and I asked him to tell me about the plight of his family who are living in Gaza. It is really... Shocking to everyone. It's like we, are, me and my wife, we have very deep concern about our families. They are living in Rafah in, in the south of, of Gaza. It is really horrific what, what we have seen in, in, in the news. We can't contact them for past two, three days because there is no electricity, no internet. Barely we're able to text them what is happening. On Thursday morning, I received the, the, the worst news ever I have received. The, the the missiles of Israeli army targeted my elder sister house and my brother-in-law uh, Osama being killed and all my sister and her uh, six children being under the rubble for hours. It was it was a horrible experience. Like to to hear the news, they come out from the rubble. They figure out that the dad is is died. They left without any anyone to take care about them, and now they 
all evacuated to my dad and mom's house. My old sisters, they are there now. It is really horrible that they, this is un, disproportionate events. You know, the, 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 the missiles and the, the weapons they are using, targeting civilians and children in Gaza. It's horrific. It is a real massacre. It is not, not a war exactly. It's, it's a massacre. It's ethnic cleansing they are, what, what they are doing in Gaza. We feel like very, very terrible situation now. We are feeling very tight hand. We can't help them with anything. It is far from us. We can't contact them. We can't support them, whatever. So, like, we are also concerned about other parts of our family in the, in the north, with, which they are being bombarded since the first day of the, of the war. And they can't evacuate the houses because even the people they are, they are seeking shelter or seeking a little bit safer place in Gaza, they've been bombarded on the way where they are going to a little bit safer place. And immediately, being, being everyone being shot down to kill, to be to kill. We we are, we don't know. We are feeling in Europe very frustrated because where the Geneva Convention relative protection for children and civilian in the war, where is the United Nations human rights, where is the UNICEF Convention for the rights of the children, thousands of children being killed for the past ten days. Imagine that. It, it is shocking, I have to say. So it, what you're basically saying to me is that the bombing and the bombing raids, Israel say they are targeting Hamas targets that are within urban areas, but they're being selective where they hit. You, you, you say that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Because they're the, the all being bombarded, only a house. It's the infrastructure of the civilians in Gaza. Even some of the ambulances and hospitals being bombarded and, and, and uh, destroyed. This is disproportionate use of forces against civilians. Like my brother-in-law, he, what, what he what he done? He's a librarian. He's a peaceful. He's an innocent man. He's like when when we visited Gaza for the last in summer, he's very peaceful man. One of the most intelligent. He was discussing always. He's a librarian. He's reading a lot of books. We 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 discussing the the, the, the you know the history of Ireland and the history of the Europe. Where, where, is the, where is the international laws for that? Where is the accountability and adherence for Geneva Convention? There is a significant loss of lives now, particularly in children. You know, one of the most condensed areas in the world is Gaza. And wherever you, you, you bomb or target anything, it will be hundreds of people be, being targeted as well. Now, you were out there in this, uh, this past summer with your family. What was the situation yes. like then? The situation is so bad. You know, Gaza is under injustice uh, siege for the past 15 years. The people, they are under tension. There is no electricity. The regular cut off of electricity is a day-to-day basics there. You have only electricity for five, six hours. We, like, we suffer there together with the, with the other people. There is no water. There is no 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 supply for for even for the hospital, I visited the hospital as I, I'm a doctor. I visited my colleagues there. It is horrible. You can't imagine how the people they are living in Gaza. The hospital they are like it is already f- fragile healthcare system. And what about now after receiving hundreds hundreds of of injured? Even like now there already ten thousand of badly injured people. They announced there is no ICU beds in the whole Gaza Strip. 
no beds in ED. They are queue for emergency and top emergency, top urgent surgeries to be done. There is no equipment, no basic medical aid, and they're still closing the border of Rafa. They're still closing until now, you know, 10 days, no bottle of water coming to Gaza, no any of medical aid coming to Gaza. What the world they are waiting? They want waiting to be cleaned by, by, by Israeli and completely Gaza, 2 million people. It is horrific. It's, it's horrendous what we ha- we're hearing from the news. No, it is horrendous and it's very difficult to watch the loss of innocent life. Can I take you back to what began all this, which was the raid into Israel and the deaths of uh, those 1,300 or more innocent I- Israelis when they were attacked by Hamas? What, what do you say about that, where innocent people are killed there too? Actually, if, if you want to, to take the whole story together, you can't start from one point and come down. The whole story doesn't start on Saturday that day. It has already been 100 people of Palestinians being killed for the past three, four months ago. Why the people, they didn't look at them at all. Jerusalem, people being taken to, to the jail, being killed in Jerusalem and West Bank for the past three, four months. No one not look at them at all. The woman being taken to the jail, being humiliated. Un, any humanity in, 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 in the West Bank and in Jerusalem. What, what about that? Gaza under the siege for 16 years. No one look at them. I am from Gaza, actually, but I am refugees in Gaza. My hometown, one place in Israel, been taken, by, been occupied since 1948. What about that? We are suffering from the Israeli occupation since 75 years. What you're basically saying to me is, and we understand this, it can go back centuries, it can go back decades, and you mentioned the 75 years there. But what what happened in southern Israel is wrong. You have to say that too. No life is worth losing. Definitely, definitely. But the problem, you have to go to the core and the root of the issue. Like the, the human rights not being applied for Palestinians at all. There is no, you know, Palestinian under oppression, under colonial, under occupation for decades. No one look at them. Gaza been under a siege, unjust siege for decades. No one look at them. No electricity, no fuel, no food, no proper health care in Gaza for ages now. Where is the people? So what is the solution? Two states, two states living side by side at peace. Can that ever happen? The only way to apply the international law, Israelian, we feel now Israel is above the law. European, they can't let Israel listen to the, or respect the law of international law. A lot of laws being, being applied, being created for saving lives. But Israel doesn't respect all those laws. If, the, if international law is being applied, the UNICEF laws and uh, the Geneva Convention laws being applied and being respected. No, nothing will be happen like that. Now, multiple war crimes have been already committed by Israelis in Gaza. Where is, where, where is the international community? No, I hear what you're saying. But in the ultimate sense, in the overall sense of this, it's going on for far too long. Can the Israelis and the Palestinians make peace ever and live side by side in two independent sovereign states? Is that what you want to see? Ultimately, we need to solve the problem. Palestinians, they need to they need to be free. They need their land back. I am 
we we the 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 law of return we we have the right to return to our land it's not been applied for since decades i have to ask you this do you accept that there will be a state of israel and a state of palestine this is the key question this is ultimately should be solved by the international law so it should be applied because 1968 1967 they we we palestinians agreed for the the two-state solution, but Israel and they never respect the laws. What about Oslo? Oslo agreement? Did they did they respect the Oslo agreement? They, every day the settlement being built one over another. Palestinians being killed one day over another. It's every day like practice for Israelians to kill Palestinians, the checkpoints, the humiliating Palestinians. What about the ten thousand uh, political politically uh, prisoners in 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 Israel? including 400 women and children. I have no answers, and I hear what you're saying as well, but it looks to me as an intractable problem. Just back to your family before we go. You are really concerned for them all. De- definitely, definitely. We are concerned about being... Because they're targeting, they're targeting randomly. They're just killing everyone there. I'm really very concerned about my family, my wife's family, and my friends' families there in Gaza. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor. Dr. Ahmed Mahmoud there speaking to me a few moments ago just before coming on air outlining the desperate situation in Gaza for his family and the death of his brother-in-law their librarian it just does not make sense but you know I listened to Alan Shatter last week and tried to challenge him to a degree on the um, Israeli perspective you hear the Palestinian point of view there and all they've been through and that breeds, oh, it breeds what happened in Israel last week. There is no condoning what happened in southern Israel, the murder of innocents. There is no condoning the bombing of innocents in Gaza that's happening now. But you just listen. If you listen to both as well, getting to that agreement of two sovereign states, I think the issue here is this. The more I listen to people and watch and try to understand and read the history of it, Neither wants either to exist. Do you know what I'm saying, Louise? Neither wants either to exist. And that ain't going to happen. It's just horrible to think of that level of hatred between two countries like. it's. Uh, and, and, you know, if you go into the history of it, mm. oh, my God, there's a fingerprint in the world from one nation and it's caused bedlam everywhere. And I don't even want to mention it today. People listening understand what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, there is... It has to be a Palestine. There is an Israel and will be a homeland for the Jewish people. They have to live side by side mm. on that land. And there's any any chance of peace. Oh, my God. But the images, I just I, I don't know. I really do not know. But that is the bottom line. There's got to be two sovereign states living side by side, respecting each other's existence and in that region. That is the only solution, Long Teb. There is no other solution. There is no other solution. It, you know, Israel ain't going to run all of the Palestinians out of there. It ain't going to happen. And likewise, the wish that there be no Israel ain't going to happen. It is intractable, is all I say to him. God help them all. I don't know where this goes or where it ends. I really don't. It's shocking. It really is. Can you watch those those pictures no. at night? Are you watching that stuff? No. I just can't anymore. I, try if, I just know they're horrific. Just and, and now that it's even spread to 
wasn't there a little six-year-old stabbed in a hate Aww. crime that's associated with it in, in America? Like that's stop. Where this can go out of all control, you know, especially in hate can uh, spread uh, so easily. Oh, so easy, what, easy. So this can be just something that we none of us have control of. And did you notice one thing? Is there anything happening in Ukraine? Did you notice? It's gone off the radar, you know what I mean, really. And that's continuing there as well. It is simply shocking. I have no answers. Is there a solution? There's always a solution if people are willing to sit down and talk and stop killing each other. It's horrendous. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. If you have anything to say uh, on the show today, after the break, we have an uplifting good news story. Now, a good deed, a good news story. Liam Foley is a wonderful athlete. You see, recently at the Sport Union for Athletes with Down Syndrome European Championships in Italy, this young man won big. He won gold medals. But unfortunately, he mislaid them. To take up the story, I'm joined now by Garda Adele Dugdale. Hi, Adele. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me today. This young fella is really special. He's talented as well. What happened the medals, Adele? So poor Aileen was um, at Special Olympic swimming on Wednesday in Tremond Leisure Centre when his bag was taken from the locker. Um, so when he came back to get his property, it was gone on him. Oh my, and I'm sure after doing all the hard work, going to Italy, winning the medals, he was distraught. Oh, unbelievable and rightly so for poor Liam because he'd worked so hard to get these wins in the championship and everybody that knows Liam knows that if he's not running, he's swimming or playing badminton so he's sports mad so he's worked really, really hard for this so he's so proud to carry them, to hold them, to show people his achievements so when he realised then that the bag was gone and that he realised then even more that the medals were in the bag he was just uncontrollable on Wednesday. Oh, you know, to work hard, have them in your hands and then them to go. So what was the story? Did he get in touch with you or what happened from there? No, so I was at home on Wednesday night and I got a phone call from um, one of the organisers of Special Olympic Swimming. So they asked me, would I just um, have a look out and see if there's anything that we could do from the guards' point of view and just see if we could um, see what happened to the bag or see if we could locate it. So, look, I came in on the Thursday I made a few inquiries and lucky enough, yeah, the bag was retrieved on the Thursday. Some days it works out for us from the guards and some days it doesn't. But on this story, then it was great. We were able to locate the bag. Oh, Adele, good on you and good on everyone involved in retrieving these. What Were you there when the handover happened, when, when you went back to Liam? Yeah, so look, we didn't want to tell Liam that we, we kind of had... Um, a couple of information that might have led us to where the, the property was and it was in an overgrown area in Trim so we found one medal and we couldn't find the other one so we kept searching and searching so we were located everything bar his poor glasses so we on Thursday the Wednesday Thursday night then we rang his mum to say that the property had all been got back so she told him so he was over the moon he actually thought it was a joke at first he thought somebody was messing with him but um, on Friday then he came down to the station to collect um, his medals and his bag and all his bits and bobs and he was absolutely mm-hmm. over the moon. Mm-hmm. There was hugs, there was tears, there was emotions, there was, he, he didn't know nearly how to control his emotions. He was he was just um, so happy, so, so happy and we were so happy to be able to provide it back to him as well. Ah, listen, lovely story. We just love it. We really do and he's such a great fella. 
God Almighty, it would have been shocking had they not been found and returned to him as well. And he loves them, minds them and takes them everywhere with him. And well done to all concerned because all's well that ends well. You're great, Adele. Thanks for joining me today to tell us the little tale. A good news story for a change. Thanks, million. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Community Garda Adele Dugdale there. She's a fantastic woman. Liam set a new European record in the 800 metres men's race with a time of 2.55 and he won gold in the 1500s men's race, making him a double European champion. And he has his medals. Liam Foley, this song is for you. We stick on them heads there a second I tell the listeners we have to tell them We have, I don't know whether anyone else has mentioned it already but you know in LMFM this year we've had a Christmas tree up all yeah, year great. round because didn't I challenge Maggie mm-hmm. Maguire she loves Christmas she is Mrs Christmas our Maggie Maguire I said go on keep the tree up all year and in fairness to her with each season she's changed the decor on the mm-hmm. tree so the, the and she outdoes herself each oh, time doesn't she every time so the penultimate change this year is of course for Halloween. Oh my word. What a job she's done. Oh, it's fantastic. Isn't it fantastic? Yeah. The whole room up there, but the tree in particular, mm-hmm. fair juice to her. She's entered into Cobwebs, the spirit of it. Spiders. You name it. Everything. It's and it even has the um the crime scene tape on the door <laughs> coming in. Like, it's brilliant. But do you know what? Because I was I was inspecting it on Friday. Yeah. And there's like loads, as we say, of the, the fake cobwebs. But after what, nine, eight, nine, ten months there? There is not a speck of dust on the tree itself. Yeah. How does she do that? How does she do it? Mm. I do not know. And while on the theme of Christmas, I got a blast of Christmas across the desk above in the office myself this morning. You, ha- you have oh, the yeah. turkey. Yes. I did, yeah. She yeah. bought the turkey. She yeah. just out of the blue came from Mary Louise. I never did I got that. Normally it's the Christmas week going, oh my gosh, there is there turkeys left? A completely anyway. homegrown turkey, individual, well fed. All you have to do now, Learn young woman, cook is cook it. Learn but that how. won't be a problem. That no. won't be a problem. It won't. It won't. We're going to sort that out. It. We're going to sort that out. We'll have Tara Walker on the job shortly, I promise you. Anyway, let's... The one re- thing sorted for Christmas anyway. <laughs> I'm ahead of myself. Well, you're the woman who used to buy the presents at the end of one Christmas for the next year. But you yeah. gave up that. You gave up I that did, a while yeah, ago. You yeah, did, you no, did. That was You went time. away from that. It was indeed. Anyway, Halloween is the next big one coming our way on the 31st of October. And then we can get into the mood for the other thing. You know what. But well done to Maggie with her three. Right through the year, who's been so seasonal with the decor. Well done our Maggie. Moving on on late lunch. My next guest joined me on the show to talk about relocating to Ireland because you see herself and her husband and family had never been to Ireland until they arrived here on that fateful date the uh, 23rd of December 2019 and little did she know that the country would be into lockdown shortly afterwards but she's become part and parcel of the community in the term and feckin area. They love her there. They really do in her family. Charlene Matheson Welcome back to Late Lunch. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me on the show. No well, problem. Well, I, I love this. Well, I'm going to say it a little differently. It's called Say Yes to the Feckin' Dress. That's right. It is, yeah. What is this about, please? <laughs> so, basically, this is an idea that came from our Green Club programme. Um, and it's a way of raising funds for the ladies' teams, but also sort of encouraging sustainability within the club. 
So what? Is, what? What? I mentioned dressing it. So is it yeah. about clothing only, or what? Uh, yeah, so basically what we're encouraging all the ladies in the community to do is to have a good sort through their wardrobes, look for any of those occasion wear dresses that they have sat at the back collecting dust and bring them down to the community centre for resale. Um, so we're going to have a lovely evening there on the 10th of November um, and the idea being that all of these dresses will be on sale for um, people to buy and the people who are selling them will get 50% of the profit, and the other 50% will go to support the Feckin's lady team, ladies team and the Mothers and Others team, along with the Feckin' Walkers. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a two-way event. It's raising money and keeping the country nice and green. <laughs> the Feckin' Walkers, I love that. Yeah. It's a bit of a ring to that for talkers, sure. That's it. <laughs> you, you've seen this. You're in your course. Uh, you lived in Scotland. You're from Hartlepool in England. Where yeah. did you see this? Is this a thing that happens regular? Or were you... So it was where I lived in Scotland. It was very, very big, particularly with children's wear and children's toys. Um, they would run a new to you sale um, twice yearly. And it was a good a good occasion to have a clear out of the cupboards, get rid of toys that perhaps the children didn't want anymore and to sell them on for other children to enjoy, but also for the kids to get a few pennies for the piggy bank. So it was built on that idea. Um, and what happened with that was, again, a percentage of the sale went to support local community groups and charities. Um, so everybody benefited from it, really, in the community. And being in a small village like that, you know, you're not always close to the big shops. Um, so it was a good way to sort of get the stock and fillers at Christmas time. And, yeah, it was, it was good fun and a really nice event in the village as well. So I just wanted to try and bring that over here to Tevinfecken. Well, it's going to happen on the 10th of November in the uh, Feckins Club Rooms there, just on the yeah. north side of Drogheda. Uh, sustainability, you mentioned there, uh, as one part of this. And I suppose in wardrobes as well, up and down uh, the region, there are outfits and the stuff in there that never see the light of day. Absolutely. I mean, us ladies are notorious for buying a dress for a special occasion and then never wearing it again. So I think, you know, there's a lot going on in the media at the minute about fast fashion, and this is a way to to move away from that and, you know, really love those dresses. That There's absolutely nothing wrong with them. They probably cost hundreds of euros and, you know, sat there not doing very much. And on the night, just to explain how it works, can you fit them on? Is there a fitting facility or do you just um, buy a scene? I think we're encouraging people to buy a scene um, because, you know, you can imagine that it's limited space there. Yes. Um, that said, for some of the more, you know, expensive items, then I'm sure we'll be able to accommodate, accommodate that to a certain degree. But, yeah, if you, if you come along, it's, we're charging €5 Euro for a ticket to come and join in, which includes some refreshments. Um, ladies can drop off their dresses. That's bridesmaid dresses, graduation dresses, party dresses, any sort of formal wear, along with handbags, jewellery, hats, fascinators, etc. If they want to drop them off the weekend before, which is Friday the 3rd of November and Saturday the 4th of November. Um, and what will happen is they'll be given a seller number, label up their clothes, and then we'll do the rest for them. And then in the end, if they don't want the dresses back, we'll take them along to the charity shop for them um, or indeed get them back to them in as good condition as they left them with us. This is a win-win all round. And there are so many outfits, as you say, that don't, uh, you know, get too many wears, wear worn yeah. once and, and not afterwards. And they're absolutely in mint condition. And why shouldn't somebody else benefit from them? Exactly. Particularly, I think, when you felt so good in an outfit. And, you know, one thing or another with those ladies, you know, shape can change after children. Um, and it's a shame for those beautiful items just to be left to 
for the moths to enjoy rather than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, and, and those are some of those occasions you mentioned there are one-off occasions. They won't happen again. So exactly. why, why hold on to it? Pass it on. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Let somebody else get some joy from it. Mm, for sure. Well, by God, uh, young woman, you are fairly settling well <laughs> into this community down there now that you're leading the way for this one. Last time we talked, you were telling me about, you know, a new start for you and your family. And we were talking yeah. about the importance of the GAA club at the heart of it. It's led to a lot for you, hasn't it? It has indeed. I have to say that, that everybody down there has been so welcoming to us all. And, and I really feel privileged to be a part of it. So, yeah, it's great. Do you miss Hartlepool? Not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> no, not particularly. No, the family are very well settled. Um, daughter has a little Irish accent coming on, and my son's a big hurler now. So yeah, we're yeah we're really enjoying it over here, Jerry. Feel very like I say, very privileged and lucky to have landed where we have. I attribute my, you see, I'm an old sports head and I keep an eye on everything. I think I told you this before, but I think of you and Jeff Stelling when I look for Hartlepool's results every week. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. God love them. They do try. They do. They try, do, and yeah. <laughs> it's not been easy for them at all in recent years. Remind me again, where, where were you in Scotland when you lived there? We were in a small um, fishing village called Inverbervie, so it was Aberdeenshire, the mm. north of Scotland, yeah, yeah. And were you there for long? Seven years. Oh, right, So my Charlie. son, my son yeah. would have been born there, yeah. 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 And uh, you're coming up to your fourth anniversary. Uh, your husband was over first and then he followed in, in 2019 here. Is it for the long haul you're here? Uh, well, yes, we've, we've bought a house and as I say, the children are very much consider themselves Irish. They were cheering Ireland at the weekend and... Um, yeah, not, no looking back, no looking back. It's great, and I'm delighted you feel at home here now and you're really throwing yourself into what's going on there in the community. It's fantastic to uh, understand the way you're so happy and the acceptance. You've had wonderful uh, acceptance into the community as well. Absolutely, yeah. Everybody's been lovely. The mother, you know, the mothers and others team I, I mentioned here before has been a really lovely way to get to know people. Um, and they're going from strength to strength as well. So no, it is. It's it is. It's a real privilege to live around here. There's so much for everybody to get involved with, and I would encourage anybody new into the community to do that. To just you know put yourself out there because what you what you saw is what you reap in benefit. Mm, well said. And just before we finish, anybody listening today can they contribute to this, or do they have to be in the area? No, they can contribute. No, absolutely, they can come down and um, donate their things to the community centre. If you look on the Feckens GA page, there's information there um, for it. And you know, yeah, just uh, you know, contact them through the messaging on Facebook and the other social media pages. Somebody will get back to you. That's that's no problem at all. And it is the weekend before to drop them in the third and fourth of November, and then the event is on Friday the tenth at seven o'clock in the Feckens. I'm just after getting a whisper in my ear. From Miss mm-hmm. Louise was to tell me you could donate your red trousers, Jerry. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I, I keep them for once a year, and I'm going to hold on to them because I wore them for the first time last year. I bought these red trousers in a Vigari years ago, or Vigari, uh, Charlene. I have to yeah. say, and they warned me at home never to wear them, but I wore them in here last Christmas, so I'll just hold on to them a little longer. No, but ma- like yeah, maybe next time round. Let's see absolutely, what what that absolutely. brings. Anyway, thank you for joining me. I'm going to dedicate this next song to you because I just look at the title and it's just sitting there maybe it's just meant to be it's from The Calling and it's uh, the song is called Wherever You Will Go and that sums up you Charlene and your family thank you for joining me today thank you very much Jerry. appreciate bye it bye bye thank you bye bye 
wondering who will be there to take my place when I'm gone. You'll need love to light the shadows on your face. Thank you for your comments to the show. Dr. Ahmed Mahmoud was at me top of the show, a Palestinian doctor talking about the plight of his family. Somebody says there he never mentioned what happened in southern Israel last Saturday. Uh, he did, and I, I mentioned it to him as well. And he did condemn it. I said, all life is sacred. The loss of any life is wrong. There's another one there. In the name of religion, all these wars start. We're better off with no religion and live with each other in a dignified, decent way. Innocent people are being slaughtered uh, under the guise of religion. Uh, signed by a parent there. Thank you indeed. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Louise, when I tell you? The weekend I was mentioning, I was out in the garden there the weekend. Um, and I uh, hadn't been there for a couple of weeks. I was under the weather altogether with an old bloody dose and it had gone wild. But the dog, Messi. Messi, my old friend Messi. 13 years young now. Oh, he's getting slowed up like myself, Louise. Anyway, he was shedding a lot of hair, you know, clumps of hair, Louise. Well, myself and Ava got at him yesterday with the brush. Oh. oh. Can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. He's half gone. <laughs> he's half gone the poor fellow. shadow of what he was you'd want to see the bag of hair we got from him oh he's a black lab folks they all know that anyway out there the hair we got out he's like a new dog today and you I just am, brush it out like oh there's a special brush for, for brushing right. uh, dogs you know we, we, have, we have one of those brushes now it's sort of a it's a metal little th- metal teeth or whatever but it does a good job but Louise honest God, we just completely different, aren't they? After a oh, brush. when you get them done, the poor fella. I felt bad then about it, but anyway, we oh, got him cold, done yesterday. He? Yeah, he was lying in the bed, <laughs> lying in the bed this morning, looking at me with these big doughy eyes, looking at me, and I said, "You're better for it, son. You're better for it, son. You really are." And what a friend he's been to me over the years. Never gives out to me unconditional love. Ah, oh, we love him to bits. I well, he probably. On might give out about you you just don't understand him yeah maybe so maybe so but I often think he's he's, he's kind and he's kind to all the grandchildren that as well he's Mm -hmm. such a placid docile dog he really is but as I say I never trust them with little ones never ever ever leave them alone Louise the rugby the rugby oh Louise heartbreaking the pain the pain of the loss tiny margins Louise Mm -hmm. tiny tiny margins that we just Ah, God almighty. Did we get a bit chittery, do you think? I always suspected, I think I was talking to you about this last week, that New Zealand would be a different proposition when it came to this game in the World Cup, and so it proved they were really up for it. But there was some hype around it. You know, I think so many believed we'd do it, and yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, a great team. What quarterfinals? That game and the game last night with... France and South Africa, always such a match. One point the French lost by as well last night. Another cracking quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's no, no nothing to be said. What can you do? <laughs> you just take it and that's it on the chin and on your move. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Can't and go back. You can't you turn it. the clock back. And the next World Cup, this is the sad part. France was lovely. You know, people could get over there. Mm. The next World Cup is in Australia in four oh, years' time. Okay. And... The one after that, in eight years' time, is in America. Right. Unusual. They're trying to build and establish the game of rugby union over there. So it's in America in eight years' time. So it's not... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Not coming around this neck of the woods anytime soon, but you just, your heart... Great well, excuse for a holiday in four years. Oh, yeah. Fantastic if you... Start saving. And you know what? Yes, I was just looking. I lived down beside Boyne Rugby Club there uh, and my niece Orla was in and the boys were there yesterday morning, Sunday morning. You know what I said to her? Next generation, here they come. Mm. You just got to... And all the little clubs around the country were the same the day after, the night before, and the, the huge loss. The there they were out. You know it yourself with the children and the coaches and everybody doing their best. Ah, God, I felt so sorry for them that that, that team lost, for Johnny Sexton. I love the clip. Did you see the clip on social media was going around? And you could just see his son, Luca, mouthing something to him as he walked off the pitch. And if you look closely, you can, you can see the son looks up and says something like, oh, but you're still the greatest dad. Ah, oh. yeah, it's it's just so lovely. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Isn't that really beautiful? Mm. <laughs> there, there, the moment. You can make it out. And you know something in life: sport is sport, but life isn't entirely different. And we love our sport, and no greater lover of sport than myself. But sport, you have to put sport in perspective in what's going on elsewhere in the world at the minute. It's great, but by God Almighty, there are major other things happening in this world of ours, like the pink snack. Like yeah. the pink snack. Sorry, I just brought that up because I saw a post from Cabaret saying, which do you prefer, the purple or the yellow snack? And I'm, well, what happened to the pink one? It's gone. When? It's gone. When? How long ago was it gone? Why? I loved the wafer one. By pop- that was my favourite. Do you know why it's gone? Why? By popular no demand. I know, they get rid of all the nice sweets and not by popular demand. I it's couldn't. by somebody making <laughs> some kind of managerial decision I, wrong. No, no, I have to say that that's I probably the pink snack. one of the best decisions that no. Cadbury's ever made. No, get rid of the purple one because then mm. we still have the club milk. Same uh, thing. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> well, it, oh, it, no, it didn't it's not. Make, but they've stopped putting the thicker chocolate on one of them. You know the way you nibble around it. You could never Can't compare a club milk to a Cadbury it's the same snack. thing. Oh, no, it's Just different not. by name. What's, what's the different? Oh, Go on, what's night the difference? and day. The Cadbury. No. Folk, I want the pink snack back. Anyway. Folks, help me here. I, help <laughs> me, please. Help me today. No. <laughs> Which one would you go for? The club milk or the purple snack if they were sitting in front of you, the two of them? 086-1800-658. Which one would you go for today? Tell us on late lunch. I go for pink one. Pink one. Sorry, sorry. You no, 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 no. Listen, hold, hold, hold on. Listen, <laughs> I would go. I suppose. Don't confuse the listeners here. The pink snack is gone. Long live the pink snack. I mm. hated it. Anyway, let's talk about club milk <laughs> versus the purple snack. This same is the thing. big debate. No. Yeah. Oh no. Well, it's 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 the same thing inside the chocolate. It's it's just those wafery things, and then chocolate in the middle of it. Or sorry, two bit things of biscuit and chocolate in the middle of it, covered in chocolate. It's the same thing. 
I'm afraid your taste has been compromised somewhere <laughs> along the line. <laughs> Folks, are you listening to us here? Listen, please. Let you it, like Maynard's wine gums and I don't. So there you go. I it's understand the same that. thing. But let's let's not confuse it. Let's let's just get it down to the nub of the matter here. Ladies and gentlemen in late lunch land, can you please help us here? <laughs> the number is 086-1800-658. It's quite simple. Mm. Club milk or purple snack? Which is your favourite? Club milk? A purple a snack, test, and we'll hand it over to you. We, we will do a taste test down the road, but let's see what they say today. WhatsApp or text me. I want to hear your views. There's no comparison. The purple snack is in a league of its Same own. Thing. Oh no, Anne, I love you, Anne Woods in Julianstown. Purple all the way, she says. Jerry already. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text. The big question on late lunch today: Is it the purple snack? Of the club milk. What do you think? Help us along here today. Let's see what happens. We let it roll out there. No, I think the, the other pink thing is gone. I think they withdrew it. Um, no, no, not my cup of tea altogether. Anyway, we'll see what we get with the purple versus the club milk. Short break on late lunch. Looking forward to interviewing my next guest, Justine McCarthy. Wonderful journalist. She has a new book called An Eye on Ireland. I love it. You love it too. It's a landslide in favour of the purple snack. I ain't a bit surprised. There's one or two there, but the Louise's friends is coming in with the club milk. I know we'll come back to it in a little while, I promise you. Anyway, let's move on on the show today. And I'm delighted to say hello to my next guest. She is a wonderful journalist. You will have come across her in the Irish Independent, the Sunday Tribune, Sunday Times. And she has a weekly column at present with the Irish Times. She has a new book out and I adore it. It's called An Eye on Ireland. Justine McCarthy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. And can I say, I think your majority is absolutely correct. <laughs> the purple snack every time. <laughs> Justine, I love you. Honest to God. Yeah, I, I think it's a hands down. Anyway, we're going to go back to this late in the show. Thank you for telling us your preference today. May I congratulate you on this wonderful, wonderful book and begin by taking you back because you started of a time and, and this is an interesting aspect of it. My God, journalism was a different world, wasn't it, Justine? It was, you know, and there's nothing more ageing than looking back over your career and realising how long you've been around. So I started um, in the Irish Independent in 1984, and Ireland was like a different country then, and journalism was as well. Um, It it was uh, a very male Mm. uh, environment. Uh, there were no, there had never been a female editor of a national newspaper at that yes. stage. There were no female editors in any of the departments or female correspondents or sports reporters or photographers. And uh, women coming into the job tended to get uh, pigeonholed as lifestyles writers. Mm. Um, and it, it did take a long time to change. It was a very macho environment, but it was absolutely exhilarating and such a great privilege to be able to write about your own country and the dramatic changes that were already underway, even though we probably didn't realise it. But, um, you know, we'd had Ireland joining the EEC in the 1970s and then in the 1980s, there were all these scandals um, on what was called the moral agenda at the time, you know, the Kerry Babies Tribunal, the the very tragic death of Lavinia Kerwick and her child mm. in County Longford, the sacking of 
Eileen Flynn, a school teacher from a convent school in Wexford, because she lived with a married man, a, a decision that was actually upheld by the High Court at the time. And when when I talk to younger people who weren't around in those days, they're absolutely flabbergasted um, that that was going on so recently. Yes, and you know, this book, it charts the history really of the nation through so many of those stories you mentioned there. And thank God the world of journalism has changed. There are so many women involved in senior positions now and that has advanced so much. The other thing is, when you think about it, it was the telephone and the notebook. I mean the fixed telephone when you started. No mobile phones, no social media, none of this stuff, this instantaneous news. Yeah, and there's good and bad about that. When I started out, the telephone directory was a major um, research source. The postmistress in every town and village, (laughs) every journalist needed (laughs) to know her to get reliable local information. Um, Of course, we were still working on typewriters using carbon paper. Um, We had what were called copy boys delivering the, the stories we were writing to the printers. Um, there were telex machines, then we progressed to fax machines, and then we, we had what were called tandies. These were like the precursor of the laptop. And when you went abroad with one of these, you had to actually dial the phone number on the laptop. So you spend most of your time crawling under hotel beds trying to find a suitable socket. And then you had to count a certain number of times between doing the, you know, uh, 0035 before you then did the one and the the main number and you could never get the timing right. (laughs) It was a nightmare. So in that way, technology was a godsend. Um, But... But now we do have the scourge of misinformation being disseminated mm. on social media and I suppose clickbait is another phenomenon spawned by technology that I, I just find really hard to take. Yeah. And there's a great uh, competitive now, competitiveness to land sensational scoops and mm. um, because of the 24-hour nature of news and the appetite for it. Yeah, it, it really is a changed world. But this, uh, going back to the book again, there are lots of men involved in this book, but in particular it is uh, the women of Ireland and the stories that have emerged from them, and you alluded to some of them a moment ago. I, I've been through the book and I love it. Just a couple of things I picked out, so one funny in particular. That incident in Finland, tell them about that and the sauna and you and your Catholic upbringing. <laughs> well, I was on a press trip to Finland and part of the trip was to go to this beautiful country house outside Helsinki, which was owned by a woman called Mary Mekko, who would be one of the most famous uh, Finnish textile designers. And uh, part of the uh, itinerary there was that after dinner, there we were to have a Finnish sauna. This meant a naked sauna, <laughs> Um, after which you had to roll naked in the snow. 
And uh, I, being a well-brought-up, uh, convent-educated girl, was in the horrors at the prospect of this. So when the, the uh, person taking the names came around on the bus on the way to the house to see who was going for the sauna, I just said, no, I won't be doing it. I, I'm, I'm an Irish Catholic. That would be against my religion. So I got off. <laughs> I got away with it. <laughs> that was worth playing the religious trump card, I have to say, in that instance, yeah. Justine. The, the, the other current one is that the movie has been made of the uh, John McGahern uh, work uh, that they may face the rising sun. That's on the way, we know, to cinema. You actually met the man himself in the room where he wrote that. Yeah, I, it was another, you know, one of those really lucky um, happenstances for me. When I worked in the Irish Independent Features Department, my editor, uh, used to, he was a great admirer of John McGarhan, but when he would ring him and ask him to write a piece, um, John would say, yes, yes, I'll do that, and I can have that for you now in about three months which didn't really, you know, suit a, a daily newspaper schedule. Mm. So my editor decided that I should be the liaison with him and I would ring him and ask him to do the occasional piece for us. And he was a lovely gentleman. But then actually it was when Memoir was coming out, I went down to uh, Foxfield in County Leitrim where he lived in this very modest house beside the lake and uh, I met him and his wife, Madeline, there, and they were very hospitable. But John brought me into the room where he did all his writing, and on average, it took him 10 years to write a novel. I couldn't get over how Spartan and puritanical it was. This was the house beautifully set beside the lake with lovely views outside the front door. But his office desk, faced a wall because he didn't want to be distracted mm. by the beauty of nature outside the window and it just said an awful lot about the discipline of the man. Yeah. He, he was a very, very intelligent um, very gentle really mm. lovely man Oh yeah, that's special and when that movie comes out you'll have those wonderful memories of course. Uh, sport played uh, quite a part in, in your career as well. Georgie Best and uh, his girlfriend. Yeah, I wouldn't be a, a soccer fan. I, I've been a rugby fan since uh, childhood but I, I was sent to Manchester to do an interview with him um, and of course everybody knew who George Best was and he was still you know, very uh, sort of vital and good-looking. And he was, I met him in a, a hotel foyer and he sat on this lovely gilt-edged couch with his latest girlfriend. And uh, the, the whole interview really was about how he had found love at last. It was a man who had dated, like, I think, a number of former Miss Worlds and uh, was uh, nearly as well known for his love life as for his uh, sports life. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the two of them seemed very much in love, and they sat on the couch in the hell's hands. And um, I think about a year later, I read that they had split up. 
<laughs> it was love for life, not in George Best's world, uh, for no. sure. No, no, no. Love, love in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you were in Belfast. Oh, you say you're a rugby woman. Commiserations about the weekend. We were talking about it earlier on, and we're all <laughs> heartbroken for the Irish rugby team. But you were in Belfast on that fateful night when Alan McLaughlin scored that goal that sent the soccer team to the World Cup. And ironically, they're playing this evening in a non-event game in Gibraltar. You were there. That was a vile atmosphere. It was. Um, I I was sent up uh, by my features editor and I actually bought a black market ticket. I arranged to meet a man from Hollywood County Down in a hotel in Belfast and he handed over the ticket and I handed over the money. And um, before heading to Windsor Park, most a huge number of people gathered in the Wellington Arms Hotel, and you might remember Jerry that night. England were playing Malta, yes, and England needed to beat Malta by a margin of seven goals in order to qualify. And we were all in the hotel when the match started, and in the first minute, Malta scored. Mm. And it was such a moment of unification between nationalists and unionists, uh, Republican and loyalist, uh, Southerner and Northerner. We were all hugging each other, delighted. (laughs) But then uh, it was time to head over to Windsor Park. It was pitch dark. It was a winter's night. I think it was in November. And as we walked through these narrow streets of terraced houses, towards the stadium and the nearer we got we could hear this singing coming from different um, directions getting nearer and louder and then we all converged and there was very heavy security everybody was frisked going into the stadium and I was in a row of seats the second last row of seats and when Northern Ireland scored first, we needed to, I think, draw at least, was it? Or win oh, yeah. I think we may have had to get, yes, yeah, so we had to get at least a point out of the game, which we got yeah. in the end. We had to draw, yeah. But they scored first. And I thought I was being very smart. I just uh, clapped politely along so that it wouldn't stand out that I was unhappy. And then the Republic of Ireland scored in the second half. And uh, I didn't clap. And at the end of the match, uh, there were two men behind me uh, with very close-shaven heads and a lot of tattoos. And one of them tapped me on the shoulder and said, well done, you're through. (laughs) (laughs) They they had talked to me from the start. (laughs) Ah, they had you marked out for sure. They had. But uh, I travelled up on the train with uh, some of the supporters from Dublin and uh, back down again the next day, and they were just fabulous. They were, the crack on the train was brilliant, going up and down. And um, a lot of them would have stayed, you know, with friends and contacts on the Falls Road or even the Shankill Road, I remember, yes. as well. Yeah. Um yeah, it was something I wouldn't have missed for anything. Mm, oh my God, and th- we're only barely scratching the surface of what's contained between the covers of this wonderful book. Just before I let you go, something I, I want to ask you, and maybe it's hard to answer this one, but when you reflect on the likes of Joanne Hayes 
and love it. Some of those you mentioned there, um, Christine Buckley, Vicky Phelan, the women who've been wronged uh, and that you uh, have written on, reported on and are contained within this book. In 10, 20 years time, do you think there'll be somebody else writing about another cadre of women who've had to go through the same or have their stories and you telling them made the difference? I think we do have to be careful and cherish the stories that those women told and cherish the changes that came about as a result of them telling their stories because uh, we do live in precarious times and with the spread of misinformation and the rise of extremism in our society, there's always a danger that we can go back to where we were. I'm actually, I'm actually a member of a group called the Irish Women's uh, Museum Advocacy Group. And this is part of the reason that we want to see a national women's museum set up in Ireland, because women are still only being restored to their rightful place in the national conversation and in the memory and in the history of what happened to the country. So I think that would be a great way of keeping our, I suppose, our consciousness about how women and children were very badly treated in the, the first decades of the state. And thanks to those women that you mentioned and many others, mm. um, we're a much better country than we were when I set out as a journalist. I'm delighted to hear you say that. And I think that's a lovely way to conclude our conversation today. I say it again. This is a marvellous, marvellous book and well done for doing it because it's great that it's contained those stories and your reporting, etc. within this wonderful book. It's called An Eye on Ireland by Justine McCarthy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've loved our conversation. I really appreciate that, Jerry. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's uh, Justine McCarthy there. I think, Louise, you'll have to change that next song to Prince. Why? Purple Rain. Yeah. Because purple rains on late lunch this afternoon. Bye. Same. Come on, just admit it. No, I would have said now, I would have said years ago, you know, when you nibble around the chocolate of the purple one. But they, they haven't put thick chocolate around it anymore. I think that's for inflation, isn't it? Now, folks, do you have a listen there? What I have to deal with every day of the week. She's beaten hands down in the public vote. Come on, just say that. I would you just would I you just admit say that? Right or wrong. I said they're both no, the same. But would you just admit that the public vote on late lunch? They all today, like the purple snack. They do. But listen, I'm going to give you. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to pulverize you. I'm going to give you a little credit here. <laughs> well, I am really, but I'm no, I'm not. I'm not. Somebody I'm going to bring says, them both in. I'm going to just trick it and see which I, one you. No, go you for. won't trick me. You'll never trick me with the purple. Well, you can't with the purple snack because it says purple snack on on no, the chocolate. No, no, no. What you do is this: you take them out of the wrappers, you blindfold me, and you bring in a cup of tea, and we'll do that. We'll do that okay. with a panel here one day, and we'll test it out. But the purple snack is won by a mile. But somebody says there, just for you, this is back to where we said that started with this thing you were bemoaning the pink, the, the pink they say there's a pink snack in Aldi is there yes Ooh. just got a message there see, I, see I'm kind to you thank you I just want to help you get your little pinky snacky back is it the Aldi one same as the Aldi well they, one the listener the, the listener like says today it's not bad they say <laughs> the pink one is not bad so you'll have to try that now yes. you, 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 when you pop into Aldi, Aldi well you'll have to look for it there you'll have to look for it there next time you're there thank you but I just I, I and would you believe the weekend I got a, a multi-pack of the purple snacks and the thing to do with them just a little tip 
put them in the fridge, the purple snack. Put them in the mm. in your fridge, leave them in your fridge and then make a nice warm cup of tea or coffee or whatever you like and hot scald oh. and enjoy it. You enjoy see, I'd it. leave it. Huh? I No, I, I don't particularly like the purple snack or the club milk. I prefer it. Now, the pink one is gone. I like the short cake the one. Short, the the yellow, yellow one. one. Yeah. The yellow one is nice. Yummy. I, I wouldn't thank you for well, that. Well, from pinks to yellows to purple. To, we have you all confused here. Lately. No, we haven't. I know you understand it. But the thing is, I have to say, I do like the yellow snack. I would never have liked the pink one. I adore the purple one. And I think, no disrespect to club, there are people have club milk. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. Do you remember that ad? <laughs> yes, if you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. Do you remember that ad? No. No, well, that was an ad on television. And but you're saying it has hasn't got a lot of chocolate on this business. Not compared to the purple snack. Okay. I wanted to come in. I'm going to make it. I'm going to add on to that ad someday. So, yeah. uh, no, not compared. Not at all. Not not in the same league at all, I have to say. But anyway, thank what you. What about Duncan Power? Oh, it's very good to dunk. Is it? But the only thing, if I, I'm not mad. I'll dunk biscuits, but I don't like dunking chocolate into my tea. I like taking a bite of the chocolate snack and then taking the tea in. I don't like that thing of softening the chocolate up in the tea. That's just me. What about you? You like to dip the chocolate in, yeah? Well, no, because it falls off. No, correct. Thank you. It does. Don't dip the chocolate in your tea. And take then a you bite. Chocolate tea. Take your take your tea into your goblet and enjoy it in that fashion. Anyway, thank you to late lunch listeners today. <laughs> for your support it's much appreciated it really really is anyway the things we chat about on this show sure, it's a bit of fun it's a bit of escapism it's a bit of a from reality something yes that takes us away for a little while from things that are happening all around us and what will be happening all around us on late lunch after three on the show I have a brand new top five countdown for you this week and we're going to be talking a little more hopefully about the rugby at the weekend and what happened by the way the soccer team's playing tonight do you know that Louise? No do now Neither does most people in the country know they're playing tonight. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Uh, you know, they're playing Gibraltar. They've won one game in this championship and it was against Gibraltar last time. They're in Faro tonight to play them. And who cares? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody gives an absolute damn tonight. Right, go on, have a purple snack tonight and watch them. Uh, I'll have them a, but I think I'll watch England, Up Italy. Tea. There's a game tonight. England, Italy tonight. I'll be watching that game for sure. Anyway, new Irish manager on the way very shortly that's for sure in charge of the international team that is an absolute certainty and a certainty up to three you're not standing by them Benny King and thank you listeners for standing by me with the purple snack I know you love Louise too of course you love her but the purple snack rules the roost (laughs) when the night has come and the land is dark and the moon is the only light we'll see. Let's do the housekeeping on late lunch today. Justine McCarthy and I on Ireland, her wonderful new book. The question was, who was the first woman to be elected president of Ireland? That was an easy one. I love giving you easy questions so as everybody can get their name in the hat. Mary Robinson, of course, is the answer I was looking for. And the, the uh, book today is going to Brenda Murray Flynn in Grange Bellew. Well done to you and enjoy. Now, Louise, we need clarification on our other competition today. Well, we're giving away two tickets, two prizes, one each to the winners to Garristown Super Draw. The first prize is €100,000 in cash or a new Range Rover Sport Dynamic. 
the runner up prize is ownership of an Ado McGuinness trained racehorse for a season or €10,000 in cash. Third prize is €3,000 holiday voucher, and tickets are available from Garristown committee members from the club. The draw is this Saturday, the 21st of October. The question was name the pub. In Garristown. Now you've been on the <laughs> on the case here because we realised quickly there's more than one pub in Garristown. Now we yeah, have clarification. Wikipedia has been updated. <laughs> no, so there you are. Don't rely on that Wikipedia 100 percent of times. Anyway, there's more than one pub in Garristown. And thanks. Who are you talking to? Clarify. Trish. Trish. Hello. In the post office. Trish. You know, Justine McCarthy was saying about reliance on the the phone book. Do you remember it? Yeah. And the postmistress and, post and yep. postmasters. They're still great sources of information, mm-hmm. I can tell you. Those people, long may they be. Trish, thanks so much for clarifying for us. What did you say? Many pubs? Two. Gormley's and... And Quinn's. recently opened Quinn's. Quinn's. is the new one there, so it is. So there are two there. Gormley's the long established. Quinn's the new one. Everyone who answered both, you will verify. Yep. Names into the hat. And we did the spin. And the names that came out for the tickets to the big draw are... Fergus Cullen from Cotton Mills, Hayes and Navin. One ticket is yours and the other is going to Ella Hagen in the Knoll. Not far away there. Best of luck to you. We have your tickets. We'll sort out the arrangements after the show. I hope you win one of those big prizes. Wouldn't that be a story? Oh, it'd be just great. You'd have to come on with us. Oh, listen, that's the conditions. There's no other way around it. There is no other way. I will send you a packet of uh, club milks. Uh, Anyway... (laughs) 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 You won't be getting the purple snacks. Let's do this now on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number five from this week in 1995. And when I tell you that the... uh, group who performed this song were big back then. Yes, they were. They included a woman called Louise Redknapp. You know her? Well, she was a member of Eternal, but funny enough, for this particular track, she had just slung her hook and left the other girls to their own devices. Yes, the song today is from Eternal, the first single from their second studio album called The Power of a Woman. Let's hear it. The five from this week in 95. Top five countdown on late lunch. It's Power of a Woman. Eternal and Power of a Woman. Number five in our top five countdown from this very week in 1995 on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. And we'll count down four, three, two, one to Friday as usual. Round about this time, the rest of the week. Final break of the day on the show. And afterwards, fingers crossed, a young woman who was at the uh, Ireland-New Zealand game and the big game last night between South Africa and France is joining us on the show. She became internationally famous when her image flashed across our TV screens at the big game the other night between New Zealand and Ireland. Young Millie Burke from Delique is a star. Hi, Millie. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. I'm just looking here at your picture. A screenshot from the TV. Wow. Did you get your phone blown up after that? Oh yeah, sure. All the messages came in uh, after that, but uh, 
No, it was it was something else to be there. I didn't expect my mug to be on telly though, but it was unbelievable. <laughs> Tell us this: How did you get the tickets to the game? They were like chickens' teeth. Oh no! Honestly, I'd say I did very little work this week or last week. I was just constantly refreshing on the website. So um, no, but we were lucky. Got two tickets right beside the pitch, and um, sure, we were about to be subbed on then to the game if we if they needed us. Who was with but, you? Uh, no, it was great. I was there with my best friend from primary school. There's about a group of there's a group of fifteen of us over here for the game. Right. Um so it was brilliant. And did everybody get tickets? Yeah, we all got tickets. We were having a few drinks before the game and the last two that didn't have tickets managed to get tickets, so everyone was there, everyone got to see it. And are you a big rugby fan? Have you been to internationals in the past? Of course I have, yeah. Follow the green jersey. Right, so you're a big follower of the Irish rugby team. It must have yeah. been unbelievable to be in that stadium. We were watching from a distance yeah. on TV, but the atmosphere yeah. just felt like it was totally electric. The most electric atmosphere you've ever been at? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was now it was like a, it was like being at a week after it when we lost. But no, it was honestly mm. unbelievable. Uh, even the run up to it, through the Moulin Rouge was painted green, like lads scrumming cars all in the streets of Paris. It was brilliant. Might have been awake afterwards, but your old vocal cords have been tested to the limit, I take it. Yeah, I've nothing left in me now. Oh, Millie, I tell you one thing. Even to the very end there, when they were pushing for the line, 30 phases of play, I honestly thought they were going to get over and get that try that won it. It was unbearable. No, it was heartbreaking. It was mm. heartbreaking seeing the penalty go up, but... Uh, I know, I think a few people would have had a row with the ref, but no, it was just, it was it was brilliant, but just so exciting to get so far. And especially for Johnny Sexton's last match in the Irish jersey. Mm. Um, but uh, no, it, it was great to be there. The no. New Zealanders were even expecting it. Yeah. So I think it was, it was just, it was shocked that everyone was feeling that. Yeah. Were you, were, is it true, is this true, were you at the South Africa-France game? I went to, yeah, so went to the South Africa match day last night as well. Had to see someone in a green jersey win, so we had to go start as well. <laughs> It'll be some irony, Min- Millie, if, if South Africa win it after us beating them. Oh no, it'll be sick then. Sick. <laughs> can't, can't, none, of us, none of us can believe, none of us can believe that England have gotten this far and they're in the semi-final. Like. Yeah, it's just the way yeah. the draw and the seedings were done a few years back and it's totally skewed the wrong way. Those two matches yeah. should have really been the semi-finals. Who's going to win it? Yeah. Who's going to win it? Who do you think will win it? Um, after seeing South Africa, like, it'd be brilliant if they did back-to-back. Yeah. Um, but... I'd know it's any man's game now, so the best ones are out of it. Anyway, you're young enough, healthy enough, fit enough to see all this we'll again. See another one. You will we'll see another you'll one. see more than another one and many of them to come yeah. and hopefully we'll go all the way one day. Where are you at the minute? You're yeah. in Manchester, are you? No, I'm about to get on a bus to get to Manchester to get home. <laughs> Planes, trains and automobiles. I'll tell you, Mammy Kira, she's probably listening. She'll be all right. She'll be home at some stage. She can look yeah, after herself. Yeah, whenever I walk sure. in the door. <laughs> well I done to you. There's a point left in Paris. I'm all You have some oh. character. Listen, thanks for taking our call today. Safe journey. See you, Jerry. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Millie Burke from the league there at the Irish game, at the South Africa game last night.
Oh, what occasions they were. No joy for us, but please God, someday it will be. Thank you so much for your company this afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. We're back Tuesday 1.30 with your late lunch, but we say goodbye in the company of Mr. Lewis Capaldi. Have a nice evening. Days aching, nights are long, two years and still you're not gone. Guess I'm still holding on. Drag my name through the dirt, somehow it doesn't hurt.